Namaste and welcome to Kidacity, where kids share, learn and have fun together. I'm your host Summer Chitta and this is episode 26. Are you reading right? We started a new unit of learning at our school this week. It is all about the various systems in our body, such as the digestive system, respiratory system, circulatory system, etc. Do you know that the nose cleans the air we breathe? Also, our body remembers every virus that it ever fights and an adult has 4.7 to 5.6 liters of blood in their body and your heart is as big as your fist. One of the systems is also connected to our yoga topic of this week. Welcome to Discover Yoga. Yoga is an ancient Indian system which is the practice of bringing balance to our body, mind and soul. This week, we are discussing Pranayama. According to various yoga texts, prana is the life force in all of us. We cannot see it but only experience it in the form of our breath. Ayama means extending something. Pranayama is therefore the practice of extending our breath or prana. Here is a small exercise for you. Sit in a comfortable position with your legs crossed, eyes closed, and hands resting on your knees. Now observe your breath. Do you notice how it is flowing into the body and out of it? Is one nostril allowing the breath to move more freely than the other? Yoga philosophy says that prana flows wherever our attention goes. Has someone ever asked you to take deep breaths to calm yourself down? And have you noticed how you breathe when you are excited or scared? Regular practice of pranayama helps in keeping our breath normal at all times. In school, right from our nursery classes, we had a class on mindfulness. Whenever all the children were very excited or noisy, our teacher would ask us to sit on the floor, close our eyes and start taking deep breaths. After five minutes or so, most of the children would calm down. I practice this even now. Our respiratory system plays an important role in pranayama. There are various methods of pranayama. One is called Nadi Shodhana, where you breathe deeply from alternate nostrils. One is called Brahmari, where you generate a buzzing sound like a bee with your eyes and ears closed. Pranayama should be practiced only under the guidance of someone who knows the right way of doing it. It is now time for some good news. One man in Indonesia, Joshua Hutagulung, became an overnight millionaire by selling a very special drug that landed in his house to his roof. Joshua was working in his front yard when a meteorite from space crashed into his house. The meteorite weighed 4.5 
pounds and is believed to be 4 billion years old. A US-based meteorite collector bought the rock from Joshua and has kept it at the Center of Meteorite Studies in Arizona State University for further research. Many countries in the world celebrated Thanksgiving this week, but one woman in the USA did something special. Brandy Bison used $600 of the money she had been saving to buy groceries for eight strangers at a local supermarket. She was inspired to do this as people in her community had organized gifts and a drive through parade for her son's seventh birthday during the lockdown. Ms. Brandy said that giving back is always important and she was happy to contribute to the Thanksgiving celebrations of a few families. Sanjana Ramesh from Bengaluru is the only basketball player from India who will play in the new season of the NCCA Championship in the USA. She is a part of the North Arizona University's team. Sanjana is the second Indian girl to receive a divisional basketball scholarship. Good luck, Sanjana. That is all for this week's good news. Are you ready for your virtual vacation? Get your backpack, sunglasses, water bottle and say hello to one country, 10 amazing things. The next country is the largest and one of the coldest countries and it's very popular for its colorful cathedral domes and chess players. Any guesses? It's Russia! Russia covers one-eighth of the world's inhabited area, has 11 time zones and 16 countries as neighbors. Its capital is Moscow and the currency is ruble. Russia is one of the only multi-continental countries in the world spreading across Europe and Asia, joined by Turkey, France, Egypt and many more. I am joined by Ms. Tatiana Sharpa, who is a Russian living in New York. Hello, Ms. Tatiana. Hello. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good, good. It's, it's very good to be with you today. Thank you for being a part of my show with me today. It's my pleasure. My name is Tatiana. Uh, last name is Shapa. Uh, I live in the United States. Um, I was born in uh, Soviet Union, like I was saying before. My parents are of Russian and Ukrainian origin. So I, I am a mix of Russian and Ukrainian origin uh, uh, that grew up in Soviet Union. And uh, now for about 16 years, I live in the United States. What is the schooling system like in Russia? The schooling system is very similar to other schooling systems. Um, we well, uh, when I grew up, I grew up in Soviet Union. Schools were f free. Um, schools were all state schools, and uh, parents didn't pay for children to attend schools. And we went to school um, uh, every day, except for Sunday. Um, and um, uh, we had breaks. We had four uh, breaks. Uh, summer, winter, uh, and uh, one small break in the fall and one small small break in spring. And, and that's it. And we were in uh, so-called uh, uh, 
primary school, then uh, middle school, then high school. Uh, most of the time, it's the same school, the same building, the same uh, um, uh, the same teachers, but progressing in the knowledge. Um, then you graduate that, and then you take your test and go to the university. That's that's the path. Now things did not change much. Uh, uh, some addition of private schooling was added, but uh, that's pretty much the same uh, story as everywhere in the world. Well, this is really similar to the Indian schooling system, like, except uh, in the Indian schooling system, we get holidays on Saturdays and Sundays. Oh, good, good. I understand that the game of chess the common thing, the common connection between Russia and India. The, so the game of chess is, I think, a common connection between both of these countries. Can you explain the story behind it? Yes, the story behind chess is a very, very rich story. It was it originated in India uh, and uh, conquered the world. The story behind uh, chess in Russia is a, is a separate uh, uh, topic of conversation. People in Russia and in Soviet Union, I should say, uh, former Soviet Union republics such as Azerbaijan and um, uh, Middle uh, Middle Eastern Republic and Asia, so Uzbekistan uh, and so on, everybody loves chess. So I shouldn't say it's just Russian people uh, who love chess. It's everybody from former Soviet Union love chess. Um, and why they do that, uh, I don't know. It's probably because people like to get together and spend time together. But they also like to spend time together in, in a sort of meaningful way. So they like to get together and play a game of chess and also talk about chess and review their games and review games of grandmasters and discuss them. I played chess when I was uh, small. Uh, um, I, I studied it, I played competitively a little bit, um, and I met so many people who are really fascinated by chess, and they are from all over uh, the world, from all over Soviet Union. So, for example, one of the grandmasters in Soviet Union was Gary Kasparov, right? Uh, uh, and uh, But he's not... Uh, from Russia, he's from Azerbaijan. So uh, he was from Soviet Union. He's one of my former com compatriots and I love him uh, as such, but we should never say that it was just a Russian thing. It was a thing for all people in Soviet Union to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And also, why does Russia produce a lot of chess grandmasters? Why? It's probably because uh, they like to get together. Like I was saying, it's a social aspect. They like to get together and play it and discuss it. So it's all about uh, spending time together in a meaningful way. I think that chess is a really great game. You know, it helps you. It helps your brain improve. And, you know, you develop many skills. So I think this is a really good sport to play. That's exactly right. You develop many skills, you develop appreciation of what life is about, you develop uh, appreciation that life is a long game and you need to build strategies to approach different problems, that life is not just one problem, there will be several problems and you need to approach one by one and see a little bit uh, beyond what you are doing um, in, in this particular moment. So. 
understand the consequences of different actions and understand that you are not alone there. There is somebody else who is playing the game. And this is a cooperation. Chess is a very good, a good model for life. And uh, when I was studying chess, uh, we were very, very aware that chess was coming from India. So, for example, when I was studying uh, chess, uh, they gave us the name uh, uh, Chaturanga. And they said that Chaturanga was a game in India from which uh, uh, chess started. I don't know if that is correct, but um, I'm just telling you the, the things I, that I learned. Well, yeah, I think that is right, that Chaturanga was the original name of chess. And then, then what is the most popular sport in Russia other than chess? Or oh, people like many sports. People, um, so uh, difference from uh, between Russia and other countries, um, maybe, is, uh, is uh, love for winter sports. In Russia, we love winter sports. So people, uh, in, for practicing, people like to um, do cross-country skiing. For practicing winter sports, a lot of people do cross-country skiing because there is a snow and it's easy to put your skis and go ski in the forest or in the park. Um, also, people like to go play hockey. That's more uh, guys. Um, and people like to go uh, do figure skating because there, there are a lot of uh, rinks, uh, skate rinks, and people uh, love to skate on ice um, for recreation. Um, what I love is I love watching figure skating. So figure skating uh, as a sport to watch is very, very popular in Russia. Um, and I think that is because people are into both into athletics and into beauty and, and expression of emotion and expression of musicality. So people love to watch figure skating. Mm -hmm. And of course, people like soccer and people like people like to watch many sports and volleyball and um, uh, marathons. People watch everything. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, it's pretty um obvious that you know Russians play a lot of winter sports because you know there's a lot of snow in Russia and it's really cold exactly exactly uh, so because because of that uh, geographical positioning and climate uh, feature people love winter sports yes yes and even I enjoy watching sports too the next question is please tell me more about the food and food and culture in Russia. Are there any popular dishes that I can learn? Yeah, um, this is interesting, right? So I like Russian food because I grew up eating Russian food, um, but um, it's not very well known. Uh, people know some uh, items uh, and uh, it's not very appealing to people. And I understand there are cuisines much better. There are tastier things to try. So there is obviously beautiful Indian cuisine and there is Spanish cuisine, Italian and French. So Russian cuisine uh, does not compete well against those cuisines. But in terms of food culture in Russia, it's very interesting, uh, again, going back to Russian Empire and to Soviet Union, how Russia was in the middle of uh, crossroads and uh, impacted by different cultures. And so, for example, growing up in Soviet Union, I uh, grew up tasting food from Ukraine and from Georgia, which is very good. Georgian cu cuisine is very good. Armenian and um, 
Uzbekistan, uh, Tajikistan um, uh, cultures uh, with more pronounced and more flavorful cuisines. So um, we do not call them Russian food, but we uh, think of ourselves as connoisseurs and admirers of those uh, cuisines of our neighbors. And I think that every cuisine is unique in its own way and every cuisine is tasty and, you know, really yummy. So Yes. Can I tell you about one dish I just cooked recently? Um, uh, it is a Russian dish, uh, uh, but it makes me think about India. It is made out of buckwheat. So it is very traditional because for Russian people because we eat a lot of buckwheat. Buckwheat is a type of cereal. Um, uh, but the way I started cooking my buckwheat is influenced by biryani. So I put a lot of flavoring in, and I put some carrots, and I take my time. Uh, um, uh, and it becomes more flavorful. So that's, that's I think, very typical Russian behavior. Take something that you eat in Russia and think about influences that can help you make it better. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that sounds really amazing. You know, like you combine two cuisines together to right. make one. Right. Okay, and I hear that Russia has 11 time zones. That is also the greatest number in the world. And so how long would it take to go all the way from east to west? Well, depending on what you take, right? If you take a bus, it will take a long, 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 long time. But so I looked up for you because I did not know from uh, the top of my head, off the top of my head, I did not know. So um, let's take the biggest cities on the west and east. So uh, Kaliningrad, for example, and Vladivostok. Um, Kaliningrad to Moscow, flight is about two hours. And then Moscow to Vladivostok, flight is about nine hours. So all in all, 11 hours. And you probably want to make a stop somewhere. So it's a long journey. Because Vladivostok and where it is, uh, it has borders with North Korea and with uh, China, right? Um, uh, th those areas, they have borders with China and North Korea. And then the areas in the West, they have borders with Finland. When I think about that, that's unheard of. It's a country which borders at the same time Finland and North Korea. <laughs> that's a long journey to cross that country. Can you please tell me about the St. Basil's Cathedral and how they look so beautiful and colorful? And I especially like the domes they have on the top. They're like really cute. Yes, they are cute and they are colorful. Um, and it's one of the uh, emblems of Russia. When you think about Russia on TV, they will all, always show you this. It's very interesting, this uh, uh, St. Basil Cathedral. Um, it's so colorful and beautiful, but we don't know how it came to be like that. Because uh, um, the thing is... Uh, it's not very typical for Russian architecture to have so much color. Some churches are pretty colorful, um, but they still, there is still some harmony in churches. And there is Byzantine tradition, which is uh, Greek tradition and uh, how to build churches. And they were all in the same style, in the same harmony. And then this St. Basil Cathedral is breaking standards. Um, even for Russian standards, uh, for standards of colorful churches, it is a different. It's, it is a church in its own league. So even now, uh, people are looking at that and studying that, and they do not know 
how properly to place it, uh, in which style it belongs to. They find elements of Italian Renaissance there. They find elements of Eastern uh, uh, mosque styles. So um, they find a lot of fusion. So it's uh, again uh, goes to Russian character of trying to do a fusion <laughs> of all sorts of influence um, that we experience. Mm -hmm. Like this, I, after this interview, like I'm thinking that Russia has a lot of fusion. <laughs> like, you yes. know, there's a mix of cultures all in one place. It has to be right because it's it, uh, it's a, a huge country in in the crossroads of everything. Of course, um, uh, experiencing influences from Europe and from from Vikings from the early ages, and then from Greeks from the early uh, ages, and then uh, experience, being experienced by Silk Road and so uh, influences coming from India and China. Uh, so many things mixed together. Mm -hmm, like. It's like the whole world in one place. How is the current generation of Russians dif different compared to the, you know, the earlier generations? Well, so it's uh, it's the same problem of uh, fathers and sons all, uh, as other countries experience. I don't think Russia invented anything new here. It's all the people think that they are smarter and they read more and they live uh, uh, more correct lives. And younger people are thinking, no, we are the future and we're going to do whatever we want to do. And of course, young people want to uh, explore and want to and are eager to take uh, the reins. And it's the same old conflicts and all the people thinking, well, have you even read that book? Have you even read that book? Have you even read that book? All the people are always critical of younger people and younger people are always impatient with older people. So there is nothing new. And same issues, um, uh, younger people um, uh, spending too much time on social media, reading not so many books and um, uh, don't, not taking time to talk. So I'm very glad that you take your time to talk to your, uh, <laughs> to your guests uh, uh, and um, uh, listen to, uh, to people who dial into your podcast. So you are not very typical young person. So congratulations on that. Thank you, but I actually enjoy my interviews because, you know, I get to learn so much about different cultures that I didn't know. Like, I know many things about Russia, but now I know them. Very good, very good. And I have been listening to your podcasts and they are very interesting. Uh, you have been gathering a lot of uh, feedback about how people live around the world. And I also enjoy your conversations about yoga. Thank you. That's one common feedback that I'm receiving. Oh, good. Well, and the last question is, what can the world learn from Russia? Well, the world, the world can learn one thing. Um, let's not to be, let's not be hasty. Let's not uh, implement something very hasty. Let's not be very passionate. Well, pa passion is good, but. Uh, Mm, let's not take it out of proportion. Yes, let's keep things under proportion. But at the same time, let's do good things such as fusion. Let's do fusion. Uh, so uh, let's understand that we are in this world uh, coming from uh, different traditions. And uh, people with different traditions, they are also, they are people like us. 
and they do not mean harm. And when they when we get together, we should not be looking at people suspiciously and thinking, oh, they look different and they cook different and they speak different. Maybe they mean something. Maybe they have something on their mind. So that type of suspicion is um, is something people uh, deal with. And what Russia teaches uh, through through its painful experience and not so painful experience, through joyful experience of fusion. What Russia teaches is uh, suspicion, yes, it's the first thing that people do, but better than that is trying to live together, trying to understand each other and trying to enjoy each other's um, each other's culture. Because in the end of the day, we're in this boat together. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's good to enjoy the people around you and appreciate what they do for you. And, you know, you should get together with them really often. And also, you don't miss out a lot. Yes. When I was your age, uh, so I was growing up in Soviet Union, and we had practices of dancing um, uh, in costume of all republics of Soviet Union. So I was dancing as a Georgian girl and I was dancing as a Moldova girl. That's what I remember. Some people were dancing as Ukraine uh, girls and so on and so forth. So people uh, change costumes and uh, try on the shoes of your neighbor and they and dances of your neighbor. And that was one uh, exercise that helped build friendship and, um, and pro common prosperity, common good. There's a surprise question for you. Okay. <laughs> Have you heard of any Bollywood Indian movie songs? Well, we love Bollywood in Russia. Um, uh, I grew up watching many Bollywood movies. And this, of course, we, we heard songs, but they are so dynamic. And sometimes they are very lyrical. And But they are so, the music, the music is so amazing. Uh, but it's difficult for me to remember... Uh, as much as I enjoy it, it's difficult for me to remember uh, uh, them and to try and sing them. But one thing I remember, one tune I remember um, until now, um, and if you forgive me, I'm going to reproduce it to you. It went like that. Jimmy, 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 acha, acha, acha. <laughs> I don't remember which movie it was from, but uh, it, this tune stuck in my head. And when I think about Bollywood, I remember this song. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you for wonderful questions. Thank you for including me in your project. Uh, it's it's my pleasure to be part of it, and it was such a good time. Yes, yeah, same over here. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy. It's absolute pleasure to be with you today. Same here. Goodbye. Bye. We are at the end of the show, and I want to leave you with some interesting lists. I came across this week. Time magazine announced its 100 best innovations of 2020. You can read the entire list on www.time.com. National Geographic also published a list of best places to visit in 2021. You can read more about it on www.nationalgeographic.com. Let me know which innovation and travel recommendation you like the best. Until next week, Jay Hin from Kidacity.